A friend of mine, Quinn McCarthy, once had a birthday to where he staged his own funeral. Something I think we've all thought about doing at some point because we're all well aware we're not going to be able to be awake, so to speak, at our own funeral. Sure, some of us can rest assured our spirit can be at that funeral. But to still be alive and to attend your own funeral, that's its own gift, treat, reflective moment. And he said it was the best birthday he ever had. He sat in the back of the room while in the front of the room there was a sort of makeshift coffin closed scenario and his friends would come speak as if eulogizing him. Now, just a little bit about Quinn. He's a music producer. He lives in Greenpoint. No, not Greenpoint. He almost lives in Queens. He lives in Brooklyn, the real north north part of it. Um, and he has a music studio called, I think, North Point? Is that where he's? But his music studio is called The Creamery. <laughs> And he's produced such, he's produced so many artists. And um, I think the last time I really got a chance to speak with him was around 2018 in the summer. I was in LA and called him about a song I was thinking might be cool. And his response was telling me what he was working on, but also just about, you know, these days, the production process for him was everything. Like if it wasn't, if it was going to be a, the typical, each artist records their part and then it's mixed together, or it's just a live band in a, a studio. It, he was a bit bored by that, which which makes sense. I mean, I think all of us want to find inspiration in how we do our work. If you know, if you're a writer, you might one day just want to get a piece of chalk. And and write on on your walls if you have chalkboard walls, uh, yeah. But uh, you know, and and it, what, what was funny is that he was he was producing some music that sounded like some throwback. Um, not it wasn't it was a mix of like cumbia and you know. He he was go, he was going for kind of a Buena Vista social club sonic quality to it you know really did not want the modern day pristine sort of feel um which i totally understood because it, it gets to a point when you're listening to any of this vintage music uh i say vintage i don't know if that's the right word but 60s 70s and then as it gets into the 80s 90s it starts to get way more slick and polished and it it's it's it doesn't have that old folky quality to it. Uh, the singers' voices sometimes have become cleaner. The, all the production, the recording, everything's clean, and he was he was getting away from that. Um, and so him working on that, you know, he he had some ideas for videos and ways to make stock footage come to life in video. And um, anyways, that's that's just that's just kind of the stuff we talk about. So that's. That's one of the, that's kind of a tangent, but the point back to his, his funeral birthday um, is a point that I think is a great framework 
to look at the state of the world we are now in. And when we realize how divided we are as humans, all 8.1 billion of us, and in America, it's not, you know, just to use America as something that I, I've grown up in, uh, perhaps most of my listeners are, are American, um, and hello to anyone who's, who's outside of America, that's really cool, you've, you've come to listen to this. Um, you know, we, we obviously have the red and blue divide. So that's one divide. But then we have all the religious divides. And then we have where we are from our countries and our ethnicities and our race. And then we have a generational divide. Because for whatever reason, it hasn't been taught in our schools, uh, the concept of generational harmony. Think of like, such riddles and games to where it says, uh, it poses a question of a baby boomer, a Gen Xer, a millennial, and a let's call them um, Homelander, or you can call them Gen Z, um, are all in a room together. Like, you know, that's the, the lights have gone out and it's uh, they need to get out. They need to escape a, an elevator bank. They need to escape. They need to the car has hit a tree. They need to figure out how to do that. What does each member do? based on their strength from their generation. Kind of thinking about our generations like X-Men, you know, or the Avengers, um, or the Ninja Turtles, though the Ninja Turtles all kind of look identical. So let's, let's go back to the X-Men and, and, uh, and Avengers. You know, instead of, instead of a divisive scenario to where we're all angry at the other generations for what they may have done or not done, and never really understanding why they are the way they are, what imprinted them in that way, and realizing that all of us would be just like that other generation had we been born in their time, <clears throat> versus like, oh, never, never be like you. Um, so back to Quinn's funeral birthday. When we believe that we have unlimited time left on this earth to go, we see things a certain way, but if we had our own funeral birthday and we knew we could say it's coming up in three months, three years, five years, we're going to have a funeral birthday. And it's not a funeral birthday. It's actually going to be our funeral um, based off of things you might read about, or at least things I've read, gone down this rabbit hole of, of the... Uh, overshoot world, the collapse world, the near-term human extinction world, the peak oil world, just, just not to say necessarily will be extinct, but a lot of us are going to go bye-bye, despite how optimistic you are about much of anything. What if we just say for a second, no one's telling you to stop being optimistic. No one's telling you to stop coming up with potential solutions out of our problems, or as the overshoot community says, predicaments, predicaments that actually can't be solved. Um, but if we can just all say, we, we will be dying soon, would that be enough for us to put our differences aside and recognize that with the few remaining years we have left, 
We actually all deserve to laugh together, love together, enjoy being human together, uh, deserve to not live in the guilt, shame, and fear that so much of religion has put upon us throughout time. Can we crawl out of that swamp? Can we stop being crabs in a bucket? Can we stop pulling each other down in a, in a scarce mental perspective? In essence, can we have like a revolutionary Copernicus-inspired mental shift? And if you, if you know Copernicus, if you don't know Copernicus, just a refresher, Copernicus was a scientist who said in a time when it was heretical and blasphemous to say such a thing, uh, to say that it's not that the heavens and the sun and the stars move around earth, the earth moves around the sun and the solar system. And where he could voice that, where he could send that message, he was obviously met with know-it-alls who said, the earth is way too big and clunky to go up and down a staircase every day. You know, that was their kind of retort. That's how they saw things. Um, not that they didn't all use the staircase motif, but they a bunch of dumb responses like that is what people used. And it took not 10 years, not 30 years, not 100 years, but a few hundred years for what we now look at as common sense and obvious, it took that long for it to soak in to the, mi- the minds of the people to where eventually we could move forward. Once there was this Copernicus, Copernicus, I think I put a T on the other word, mind shift. So that's kind of what we need once again. And unfortunately going the morbid macabre route, not just for the sake of it, that it's fun and it, you know, cause it's not fun, not just for the sake of, you know, it's not random. There's, there's, there's enough folks whose jobs and identities are tied in with studying this stuff who are saying, not only is it a maybe at this point, it's actually far past. It's written in stone we are we are seeing the signs all around us of collapse and we're not as as much as there's innovatives coming through to put band-aids and put fires out here and there think of a tree think of a giant giant tree and that tree grew out of a misaligned origin source a misaligned dirt a misaligned seed if you will and so the thing is falling over much of it's on fire. And yes, as the tree, the tree, I use this metaphor uh, or analogy, one of the two metaphor, the idea that it's grown out and has all these branches, all those branches from this giant tree are all the myriad vectors of problems we're dealing with. And so you can repair some of the tips of those branches. You can, you can put the fire out. You can, you can save some of the, the, you know, leaves on it. You can, birds might come back to that one area where you put a nice birdhouse and stuff, but most of the tree is decaying, melting, burning. And 
And so, so you get where I'm going with this. It's, it's just falling. You can't save the whole tree because you, and you can't, you know, with degrowth, degrowth, you know, this, this, in, in my latest song, The Dissonance is Loud, I say in the chorus, we have to go back the way we came, you know, which in some respects we need to with some things. But again, it's, it's more like we need to go all the way back to the root seed, what got us into this giant mess and, you know, fix that source, maybe grow a new tree, <laughs> which unfortunately we might not really have the time to do that. But the, the, the amount of things that are fixing the world, my hope is, is that, yeah, they save, they save the day. But a lot of more well-researched and smarter folks than I are just shaking their heads like, nah, not going to happen. We, we've, we've got 88 civilizations in the past 3,000 years that have all gone boom and then bust. Because overshoot, using your ecological resources faster than you can replace them, is a Ponzi scheme inherent in civilization to where we steal from the future. And, and the blame game isn't healthy because blaming anything in the present, again, everything that exists are all the growths of this tree. So, so you're blaming – the real blame belongs in thousands and thousands of years ago. Like, like even past the agricultural revolution, the industrial revolution, these things that helped overshoot continue to happen. What the real problem point is, is when humans were able to see themselves separate from nature and when we started having an anthropocentric view of just humanity first uh, and we can control the world around us and anytime we think we solve something that solution ended up creating a sort of problem or predicament down the line and it's just been that over and over again and then anyone who's able to rise to the top of any of these civilizations and i want to say tribes because there's there's enough evidence that shows good leaders and good tribes are not the same as the crooked, corrupt, power-hungry psychopaths that currently run stuff. Um, you can you can read about that. I could talk about that later. Um, but really, just just you know, once once we went down this road and a constant consolidation of power with those who were running these civilizations that would be created, um, it was just the same recipe over and over again. So why not, in the spirit of Pascal's wager, if you're not familiar with Pascal, he also was a science guy, math guy, um, and he posited it just makes sense to believe in God whether or not you truly do because best case scenario, you go to heaven. Worst case scenario, you die and there is no God. But if you don't believe in him and just like Santa, 
God's watching. If you don't believe in him and you die, well, then you're going to hell. So using that kind of framework of Pascal's wager, if we were just to say, we're all going to be dead soon. Whether or not you believe it, just go with it. Because on the other side of that is actually a better world. You know, even if it's another few years and then it's done, it's a happier species. It's a species that can love itself and love, love, love itself and, and enjoy the remaining years we have left. But let's say, let's say human existence goes on forever. It wouldn't look the same if we just adopted this Copernicus-type mental shift about, about the state of things moving forward. And, and if we just do it as an exercise, you know, and, and again, you don't even have to really believe it. But if you, if you want to believe it, good. But the point isn't to send people into despair and depression and whatnot. And actually, the, the, the human mind won't let you stay there for too long anyway. Because eventually, you're going to put yourself to focusing on the practical things you need to do for yourself your loved ones, your community. And instead of us all living in a victim frequency to where we just bitch and whine that the leaders we have aren't saving the day or the media is not speaking the truth, that leaders aren't speaking the truth, we give up on them and we put the power in our own hands, give ourselves agency and sovereignty to, to start taking action to make the world around us even if it's the one mile around where you live, if everyone's doing that, if everyone's starting gardens, if everyone's getting water for, for birds living in a rapidly heating environment, you, you know, like just this summer, we had some possums that were, you know, had found their way. They'd lost their mother or their mother ditched them. These four tiny little cute possums living under our garage staircase because we had all these like felt uh, planters that were just all collapsed, like folded there, and they, they found a way to live there. And, you know, if you are a city person who's cut off from nature, you might be horrified that possums are living in your backyard or raccoons or anything like that. But due to the privilege we've had to been able to, to get a ranch uh, a few years ago in 2021 – we've been really connected with nature. And so due to that, and just our background as people, um, Catherine growing up and being in touch with nature, me doing the Eagle Scout stuff, uh, us growing up with animals, there's always been a, a big care for animals anyway. So anyways, that's the sort of, this is a sort of update hello and kind of a sort of um what's i guess i guess a preview of what's to come from hallucination um as there's been a giant break since i put out the first filmed hallucination episode which was a three-parter and the third part hasn't even come out yet because just editing it to find the time to edit all the footage we shot uh cinematographer was josh verdusco um just very time consuming, bit off more than I could chew, but um, but in a way, there was there were good things from it all. So, 
I hope you like this really lean down strip version with not much uh, pomp and circumstance or fanfare and uh, look forward to sharing more with you here soon. So thank you so much. Have an amazing day, week, month. Adios.